You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at 1 John chapter 2. When we look at the world today, we recognize that Jesus did say in the last days there would be tremendous upheaval. Said there'd be all kinds of calamity, all kinds of destruction, all kinds of lawlessness. And if we look around us, it's crazy. It's, it's like, you know, we, we, before lockdown, we saw the world getting worse and worse. But it almost seems like lockdown, that just the unsaved world went just berserk. That just in a few short years, the totally unthinkable has been happening. And you realize there's an acceleration. The enemy's not messing around. He wants to take this world down. He wants to make sure that the gospel is silenced. He wants to make sure that the church is stopped. And even though we see things happening around us and total destruction, we have a word from our Jesus. He said in these last days, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have tribulation. I don't understand why this is happening to me. (laughs) Why not? You do know there's a devil out there. You do know there's an enemy of your soul. Jesus made it plain when he taught the word. He says that when the word is sown, Satan will give up because now you've got all the power. You can let me preach that? It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. Would you let me preach something like that? He said, when the word is sown, what happens? Satan comes? For what reason? To steal the word. To steal the word. To steal the word. Now it makes sense that if the word has been spoken and he didn't do anything about it, you'd go out there and everything you did would just work. All your problems are over. And Jesus really wants to get it through to us that we are in a warfare. Now it's a good warfare. Paul did say fight the good fight of faith. But there is a fight. If we don't realize it, we may want to just kind of drift through life and, you know, sit on our father's yacht and just be blessed and hallelujah, everything's working out right. And the problem with that is if you're not prepared and all of a sudden the enemy sucker punches you, you're going to feel it. But in this house, I want you prepared. We're not just out there preparing. We are kings and priests. We are called to reign in this life. We are called to reign in this life, to rule in this life. But that's not talking about, you know, just sitting under a palm tree with, uh, you know, a cold drink in your hand and just enjoying life. There's no reason why you can't enjoy life along the way. Paul did tell Timothy, command those who are rich, that God gives you richly all things to enjoy. But you realize it is in the midst of where Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. There's an enemy that's trying to stop the church. And if we don't recognize that, 
Then every time something goes wrong, we think it's the word that failed. No, the word was sown. Satan came to steal that word. And he's going to do it how? Tribulation, persecution, bring offense. For the word's sake. To get that word out. The whole idea is, get the whole, if you can get this, it'll transform your thinking about how you think about the devil. The only one that can take you down. The only one that can allow a problem to take you down is you. Not your spouse. Not your neighbor. Not the government. Not the other side of the government. Not those that we want to call racist or those that it's not the banker. Not your pastor. Literally, not even the devil. Submit to God. Resist the devil. What will happen? He will flee. He will flee. He will flee. I don't know, Pastor Alan, I've been resisting. He hasn't fled. Well, then we have to sit down with God and discuss who's the liar now. He says, resist, he'll flee. You say you resist, he didn't flee. Now let's decide. Who, who do you think is right? That's a quality decision we must make as believers. God is never wrong. Never. Never, never. I don't understand this. I read this and I did that and I saw this in the Bible, but it doesn't seem to be working. And no, no, no. God is always right. I missed it some way. And if I can make that decision and realize there's a reason I'm missing something I haven't seen, something I haven't thought about, something I haven't applied, even if I do know what it is, have I put it into action? You can hear the word and not put it to action. The storm comes, what happens? That house will fall. So not even the devil can take you down. So the whole idea of the enemy is to get us to turn on the word. To say it didn't work. Something went wrong. I don't understand. My pastor says, but this happened. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. I have overcome. I have overcome. In other words, no matter what you get into, no matter what the problem is, a whole world around you can explode. You can know Jesus has already overcome this. I'm walking into this as an overcomer. That's why John wrote, this is that which overcomes the world, even our faith, even our faith. So God has prepared you to be ready that no matter what comes your way, you have an unction to deal with it. If you were here this morning, we spoke about three different manifestations, descriptions of the anointing. And I want to pick up on the second one. We read from 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour and you've heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. 
If you were here, you'll remember, Antichrist is not the devil's name any more than Christ is Jesus' name. Christ means the anointed one and the anointing. So Antichrist is against the anointed one and against the anointing. So obviously the devil is Antichrist, but so are anybody else that rejects what the anointing is capable of doing. That anointing that removes burdens and destroys yokes. Hallelujah. Do you believe in Christ? Yes, amen. Hallelujah. Well then, what does that anointing do? It removes burdens. It destroys yokes. It heals. It delivers. It sets free. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know about that. Well, then where's Christ involved? See, if someone says, I believe in Christ, but not that he necessarily heals today. Well, then you're believing in someone's last name. Christ has become a last name to that person. No, Christ is the anointed one. I don't see anywhere in the scriptures, nowhere in the scriptures, do I see Jesus saying, no, no, I, 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 I can't heal that. Remember, he says, I don't do anything unless I see my father do it. I don't say anything unless I've heard my father say it. In other words, he operated supremely under the commission of God. And so if God purposed for someone to be sick, he would have said, no, no, I can't touch that one. Not once, not once, not once. In fact, it even went the other side where he purposed to heal, but he could not because of their unbelief. He even wanted to, but their decision to not believe stopped it from happening. So we got to watch for that, that we don't allow unbelief to get in the way. False teaching to get in the way. And that's, if you have a look here in context, we're going to keep reading because I want you to see this tonight. Verse 19, they went out from us. Well, let's just finish verse 18. It is the last hour. As you've heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know it is the last hour. This morning I said, if it's the last hour, certainly this is 2,000 years ago. In the time scale of God, we're in the last seconds. That's what we're experiencing, this acceleration. Now they went out from us, but they were not of us, for they had not been of us. They would have continued, if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an unction from the Holy One. And you, and you know all things. Everybody say an unction. That unction is the anointing. That's the word charis in the Greek. It's, the, it's not just talking about, uh, you know, charisma is a gifting. There's an anointing. And in this aspect of the unction, John is saying because of this anointing, you do know all things. Now, this is what Jesus was describing. If you have a look at John chapter 14, verse 25, these things I've spoken to you while I've been present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will... Teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. He will teach you how many things? Not just the Bible. The Word is His primary teaching. 
but he'll teach you whatever you need to know. You want to be a good spouse? He'll teach you how to do that. You want to be a good father or mother? There's an unction where he'll teach you that. You want to be a good manager of your staff? He'll teach you how to do that. Because most of the time when we respond, we respond out of the flesh. Something happens, the flesh responds. Instead of responding to the flesh, it's time to trust the unction. Trust that anointing. There's an anointing where he says he'll teach you everything you need to know and remind you of the things Jesus spoke to you about. John 16 verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, has he come now? Has the Holy Spirit come? You born again? Lift that hand. Say, I'm born again. The Holy Spirit has come to me. So this is today. What will happen when He comes to you? He will guide you into how much? Why? For He will not speak of His own authority. Whatever He hears, He will speak and He'll tell you things to come. Family, nothing should catch you by surprise. Now, it may come as a surprise to your mind. If I think right before lockdown, God spoke to me so clearly about making sure that everybody in this household of faith was personally discipled. How many remember that? A whole months before. It became so strong in my heart. I just knew I had to, that was, had to be the message. It had to be the commitment. Every pastor, I put pressure on the pastors and it took a while and you have to pressure and pressure and pressure. And you realize there's, there's an urgency here. We have to, I want every single person in this house. If I stopped you, say, who's discipling you? It's not just Pastor Allen from the platform. I do disciple from the platform. I'm not just talking about your area pastor. I'm not even just talking about your home cell. Who is it that you meet with on a consistent basis that we're accountable to? Who's discipling you? And who are you discipling? I'm going to ask that question right now again. Who's discipling you? And who are you discipling? If you can't name me a person who's discipling you or you discipling somebody, get hold of your pastor and say, what's going on? Now, Pastor Allen said, you're supposed to have connected me. Amen. Because God put it in my heart to make sure that that happened. Each and every person had a personal connection in the household of God. And then lockdown happened. Boom. And we weren't able to meet in our buildings. And, you know, people were complaining. And have you closed your building? Have you closed? Have you closed? Now, if you ask me if I closed, I said no. We just didn't meet in our building. But we were a fully active church. I said we were a fully active church. Why? Because everybody was connected. See, I, I didn't know. He didn't say, and thus saith the Lord, there cometh a lockdown. I, I didn't hear that. But I did hear the urgency. Are you with me? And so in that, you prepare. And then when it happens, you go, that's why. So that is by the unction. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to us, preparing us. So he reveals to you things to come. So as you're listening, 
Trust that whatever He instructs you to do, it's in preparation for what's coming next. You know, today it might not make sense. I wonder why the Holy Spirit's telling me to do that. That doesn't make sense. I don't know if that's the Holy Spirit. No, listen for His voice. Because He's guiding you. He knows what's around your corner. He knows what's coming. He knows what's happening in the company you're working for. Whether that's about to fold or not. He's fully aware what's going to happen in your neighborhood. In the government. He knows what's coming. We need to be ready for these things. So come back to 1 John chapter 2. So verse 20. You have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Say this. By the unction of the Holy Spirit, I do know all things. Now your mind may not know it right away, but you do. I said you do. Verse 21. I've not written to you because you do not know the truth but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the anointed one? He is anti the anointing, anti the anointed one, who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. That's a key thing to know. If someone ever talks to you and says, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we all serve the same God. Our language just has a different name for our God. But at the end of the day, it's still God. You know, that word in our language means God. And so we serve God and it comes from the same forefathers and all of that. I always will, if someone has, wants to say that to me, I'll just stop them and say, can I ask you one question? Does your God have a son? No, no, no. Well, then where do you put Jesus? Well, he's just a prophet. You know, he's, he's, he's one of the prophets. No, now what's happened is you've denied the son. And without realizing it, by denying the son, you've also denied the father. So in denying the son, you've denied the father, the God. Then I must ask, who is your God? Because it's not Jehovah whose son is Jesus, then it is a demonic God. It's the God of this world who's put himself in a cloak of light. Come on, you getting a hold of this? So, verse 24, Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he promised us. Eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. Now notice the context is the anointing. That anointing that removes burdens, destroys yokes. Whatever was death in your life has been removed and you are born again, how? By the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what gave you life. His presence in you is the life of God. And so that is the anointing. Acts 10.28, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. That Holy Spirit is the anointing. So when you're born again, it's the anointing that got you saved. And that life which you've received is the life as God has it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. 
God, Jesus says, I came that you may have life and have that life more abundantly. That life is the life that removes burdens. It's the life that destroys yokes. It's the life where you can enjoy Zoe, life as God has it. That is the anointing. Eternal life. Hallelujah. Now, these things I've written to you, he says here, concerning those who try to deceive you. How you realize the devil is trying to get this word out of you? But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and his truth is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Now you see, Pastor Alan, we don't need teachers. We've got the Holy Spirit. That is not what he's saying. Because if that's what someone reads into that, they're going to have to tear a whole book out of the Bible, Ephesians. You have to take the Ephesians and rip it out your Bible. Why? Because in Ephesians, he says that God has given some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. For what reason? To equip us for the work of the ministry. So those are God's gifts to us. Now, if we didn't need a teacher, why is God giving us a teacher? See, even in Romans 10, 17, the Bible says faith comes by and hearing by. Now you read that in context, go back a few verses, it's in that, how will you hear without a preacher? So there are things that you can build your own faith on by spending time in the Word and hearing for God's instruction that will bring faith to your heart. But there are, there's a corporate aspect of the anointing that will re-release your life through your preacher. It's important to understand that. So God deposits those gifts in your life. So what's He talking about here? It's the understanding that when you come to this knowledge, what is the context of what he's teaching you? Let me hear. The anointing. The answer's on the board. <laughs> this is an open book exam, an unction. There it is. You have an unction, the anointing to... Know all things. See, this is what's the difference between religion and understanding this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Is because when you have an unction, that anointing has gone through there. What's happening? In that you have the anointing, you know all things. Why? Because you're relating to the anointing. You're relating to the presence of the Holy Spirit. You understand that because of the anointing, He removes burdens. Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. The way He healed was by the anointing. The only way people didn't get healed is because they didn't receive that anointing. But everyone that said the anointing's on Him, if I can touch Him, I will be healed. Everyone that said, I believe, was healed. Everybody that did reach out, Jesus said, according According to your faith, let it be done to you. What's that? All by the anointing. When you understand that, when you have that relationship with the Holy Spirit, then someone comes along and says, well, healing is not for today. You immediately, you know that is anti the anointing. You don't need anyone to teach you that. The Holy Spirit will immediately bring that. So no one can teach you out of the power of the anointing. 
You don't need someone to teach you. Literally, most of dead religion is people go to Bible colleges to be taught how to not believe. There's whole schools dedicated to teach how not to trust for the power. But family God, that power is alive today. Let me, you need to hear me now and hear me good. You do understand that the lockdown was not the worst that this world's ever going to see. Jesus, in fact, said in the last days when the problems really hit, Woman, rather don't be pregnant. Why? Because there is stuff coming. Now, here's what's important. This is not to put fear in our hearts. It's to prepare. It's to prepare. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. There's that anointing. So what's happening is these problems are coming. And they're happening. But if we are not ready for it, we will not be able to handle it. With the problems that are coming, you are not going to exist. You are not going to survive by debating if Jesus came in the flesh. You're not going to be able to debate is baptism sprinkling or ducking. Dunking. You're not going to be able to debate whether Jesus still heals today or not. Your theological exam, your theological arguments are not going to help you. When the problem hits and you need deliverance and you need protection, you need the supernatural. When there is no natural way through this, everything's just exploded around you. The Devastation has come down and it's your last and you realize there's nothing left to do in the natural. You're going to need power. Verse 27, 26. These things I've written to you concerning those who tried to deceive you. But the anointing which you've received, that's the anointing that teaches you concerning all things. It is true, not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. Now, listen, little children, abide in Him that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of Him. I introduced an idea this morning. I'm going to now confirm it through the Word. Is I really believe that in the presence of the Holy Spirit, you are untouchable. I believe with all my heart that anointing, when you are in the presence of God, it makes you invisible to the devil. Jesus got up and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And He closed the book and said, today the Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
And what happened? They wanted to kill him. They grabbed him, took him up to the cliff, ready to throw him off, and then wondered where he was. He disappeared. Just like that. Well, he just said, I'm anointed. You are surrounded with a shield. Now, what gets in the way? What gets in the way? How come? Because I believe if you're in the presence of God, you disappear where the enemy is concerned. He doesn't see you. You are shrouded with the anointing. That's the Holy Spirit. He looks at you in your direction. There's God. That's the, whole, that's the anointing. So what does he have to do? Rely on your flesh and me. Whenever I say yours, not just you. He relies on our flesh getting in the way. Something irritates us. Something gets in the way. We get, get aggressive. We take some kind of offense. We, we in disagreement. We, and what happens? The moment we do that, we are now anti the anointing. The veil drops. Is oh, there he is. Now I can get in. Now I've got to rip him out of that before he can go any further. Notice it says, if you abide in him. If you abide in Him. Abide talks about where you live, where you dwell, where you're spending your time. How many want to see an increase of anointing in your life? How many want to? Let me see. That means you're going to spend more time in His presence. This has got to go beyond religion. This has got to go beyond just coming to church. How many people come? I've, I've watched it and it's something that we need to be a sh- look at, and you see people that'll drift in. Sometimes I'll see people coming right, and it's not you tonight. I didn't pick you out, okay? So, if it happened, maybe something happened at home you couldn't make it. But uh, someone's people are coming like just before the last song, just as songs are ending. But what what is that? Well, that's just singing songs. No, we are singing to the Holy One. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. It is, it's, it's recognizing. If I'm just sitting there singing a song because now it's singing it's, and it's more like entertainment and, you know, and, and just clapping your hands. But do we see ourselves as worshiping God? Am I in the presence of a holy one? You see, we, we show more respect in the flesh. Have you ever been to a job interview? Let me see, how many have you ever been to a job interview? So your appointment is Monday, nine o'clock. Do you walk in there 10 past nine, half past nine? You know, you know I, I, I had a problem, you know, my, I had to, I was, you know, whatever. And I, did you. How many know you, that, that person will say, thank you, goodbye. They won't even ask you the first question. Isn't that right? You're going for an interview with your banker for a loan. You're going to go there 15 minutes later or 20 minutes later. And say, forget it. Isn't that right? She show more respect for the workplace. We'll get up Monday. That alarm goes off. We're up early. Make sure the kids are dressed. Make sure they're in school on time because I need to be in the office at a time. Five days a week. Every day. Early, early, early. Sunday morning arrives. Uh, as long as I'm there by the time Pastor Allen preaches. Where's God? 
See, the Holy Spirit's not something you use. It's not a tool. He's a holy God. I said he's a holy God. And if I want to see the increase of anointing, I'm going to become so Holy Spirit aware because he is the anointing. He's not someone just to pull out when you're in trouble. Keep him in the boot until you have a flat. No, it's somebody we commune with every day. When I wake up in the morning, he's the first person that I'm aware. He's right there. He never left me, never forsake me. Never sleeps, no slumbers. He was awake the whole night watching over you. One John chapter four. Now, if, if you know, if you feel I'm being a little bit hard, a little bit tough, it's not being hard. It's not being religious. This is not about church rules. It's the word of God. I said, it's the word of God. I said, well, I don't agree. Okay, then if your philosophy works and I'm talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit. We say we want an increase of anointing. Jesus would get up before the sun. They often wondered where he was. When, they, when, he, when you were looking for Jesus, oh no, he was over here playing computer games. No, no, he was in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Even his mother, age of 12. Where were you? How could you? We, we were like days out. <laughs> I always wonder how that happens. Days out. But then, you know, I suppose it was a community that thought someone's got Jesus. And then eventually they realize all the neighbors don't have him and no one knows where he is. They go back and eventually they find him in the temple. Where were you? Didn't you know? Where would you find me? Why was he so strong in the anointing? He says, I don't do anything unless I hear my father say, he's listening. All the time. Every day was an update day. What's my instructions for today? Come down to chapter four. I wanted to encourage you. Read through that whole first letter of John. It's all talking about nurturing this presence of the Holy Spirit. Presence of the anointing. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. I mean, just because someone prophesies does not mean it's from God. There are familiar spirits out there. Yeah, when he knew my dog's name and my auntie. Uh, the devil knows that too. Hello. Many false prophets have gone. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus, the anointed one, has come in the flesh of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is the anointed one, with his anointing has come in the flesh, is not of God. This is the spirit of the anti-anointing, which you've heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children. You have overcome them. Because he, who he? The anointing, the Holy Spirit is in you, is greater than he who is in this world. 
They're of the world, therefore they speak as of the world and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Family, we do not start sounding like the world. There's such a work of the enemy to try and get into the lives of our children through our schooling system. And if a government allows that in our schools, I'm not interested in anything else the government's got to say. If you want to corrupt children at a school level, you don't deserve to be in office. This is not a political speech. You may as well say amen because we are protecting our children. We need a revival, not just in the church. We need a revival in our communities, in our leadership, in the government levels. We need revival at the levels of those mountains. Transformational change. Anyone that knows me, I I don't go politics. I'm gonna stay with the Word. But there is an election coming up next year and there's something we have to do. Jesus said He will build His church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. But you know what? Janine and I had to get in a car and find a building, put in a sale of offer, uh, offer of sale. We had to go and get the finances, pay for the building. We had to unlock it, put curtains in and people helped us. We had to build. We had, there's something we had to do. Jesus didn't say, stand back, I'll build the church. I'll build your building for you. I'll, I'll put it just, you just come and preach. No, we have to do. I said, we have to do. And if we're praying for revival in this nation, we can't just sit in our church block and ranga randa. you start there. You start by praying the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, but we need to be listening for instructions where you, you, yes, you, invade these places and become transformational change. You need to stand up in your school and say, not in this school, not my children. Now we just take our children and leave. Yeah, but what about the next value, next next child? Well, we'll just move them. We'll go to another country. Really? There are people that can't afford to leave. Your brother can't go. Your family can't leave. Your children may not be able to leave with you. What nation are we leaving to our children? We have to change it. We have to say, not in this city. Why is it when a government does stand up and enforce the law, then you've got government officials saying, no, 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 we shouldn't push. No, no, the law is the law. You break the law, there are consequences. God said He gives us authorities and they carry the sword to make sure you live in a godly society. They uphold the rules of God. They're not yet just to support a government rule. You have an unction. It's not just to go hallelujah in church. I don't know if God was in the house tonight. No one fell on the floor. No one. What do you want to fall on the floor again? You fell on the floor 30 times already. You, you've shaked and you've, and you've laughed. And you, there's nothing wrong with that. I've been there. I've been on the floor. I've had my turn of laughing. But the unction's for more than laughing. It's to get up and go into action.
When they tried to stop them from preaching, they beat them up, told them, don't, don't, don't preach the word again. They went back to their company and said, come, let's hunda, shanda, randa, tie our boat out together and Lord, just shake us one more time. No, Lord, grant us boldness that we speak your word. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. This perversion of sexual identity is from Satan, is from the pit of hell. Family of God, you know any disease, any sickness, anything that hurts people, it bothers me. God has died on the cross. Jesus paid with his blood to set you free. But I'm not going to, just the same way you know, I will not tolerate poverty because it is a work of Satan and I will fight it. Why? Jesus bore it on the cross. I don't say, well, something that'll humble me and keep me, you know. No. So anything that perverts God's creation should be eradicated. I love people too much to leave them in their mistaken identity. Because your identity is not in the flesh of your body. The identity is not in your mind, who I think I am. Your identity is in Christ and who He created you to be. That's where you're going to fulfill. That's where you're going to become everything God's called you to be. Your freedom is finding out who Christ created you to be. I would be broken, busted and disgusted. I would be messed up. I'd be struggling all of my life if I went out somewhere and tried to do something other than being right here where God's called me to be. I have to be in the place of my calling, my anointing. This is where I flourish. You have a place God's called you to be. You are strategically placed by Him in this city, in this realm, in this nation. I don't have the right to run away. God created you the way you look. I don't like the way you look. Look in the mirror. I don't know. Isn't it amazing? People with curly hair try to straighten it. People with straight hair try to curl it. The light skin wants to get darker. The dark skin wants to get lighter. And I don't, you know, it's different if you're doing it for, for nice looking or pretty curlers and sometimes you want straight. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you're worried about what you look like and you're trying to change it. God created you to look like you do because you will go somewhere. If they saw me, they'd shut down. But when they see you, they will listen to you. That's why we all look different. That's why we all present differently. So trust the way God made you. That's where you're going to fulfill, find your fulfillment. Verse 17, love has been perfected amongst us. In this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, we will be when we get to heaven. Hallelujah. No, as he is, so are we. When? 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 Right here in this world, in the mess, in where we are. God, please, Jesus, just come, Jesus, just come. Jesus said, no, he didn't pray that. He said, Lord, keep them, protect them. They, they're in the world, don't take them. He even said, don't take them out. And this is what he said. 
So why are you praying against him? He's placed you in the world. But there's no fear in that love. Family, I saw it the other day when the taxis were striking. I was coming out of CrossFit. And as I stepped out the door, there must have been 50 people running from the highway. Lance was with me. And he'll testify. These people were running, but they didn't even see us. They were in fear. Their eyes, you could see they were glazed. And they sprinting and trying to get into every door. They were trying to get into the crossfit. Just to, and they're running past. Going, what is going on here? And the guy who was there at crossfit looks after the shop there. He said, no, he got a note as he showed me that if they find you on the street, that they will shoot to kill. Fear. Family, how do you run a business in fear? The people were in fear. Why? Because they don't know God. I saw that and thought, this is why we're here. This is what we should be doing. We're not just coming here to have a glory hallelujah on a Sunday. Those are the people we need to get a hold of and say, you were afraid on Monday? Come with me to home Solomon. We can get you other. There is no fear in love. Perfect. The love of God, the love of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the anointing one. God is love. Watch this. It flushes out fear. You do not have to be afraid. What's happening to the country? Don't be afraid. Be bold. Stand for Christ. See, fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him. Because he first loved us. See, as long as we're trying to love in the flesh, when someone hurts us, it can change because that's not agape. Agape, it's that anointing. If I'm wet and hug you, you'll be wet. See, I can look at somebody and they can offend me and argue with me. I can look back at them. And say, I love you. I'm not confused. Why? Because I dwell in this anointing. I dwell in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Look at 1 John chapter 5. Remember I said you're untouchable. Verse 18. We know that whoever's born of God. Look up. Let me see how many are born of God. Now, will you believe your Bible? Whoever's born of God does not sin. Now, we, when you read that, you have to contrast that with 1 John 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Oh. <laughs> okay, so if I, have, I, I don't sin. Okay, now you deceive yourself. But if you're born of God, you don't sin. Can you see, if you don't understand the anointing, it can seem confusing. Hallelujah. 
And we want a solution. Next week. No, I won't leave you with a week. But you, we have to sort this out tonight. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth not in us, but listen to verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we've not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate, a lawyer with the Father. Jesus, the anointed one, the righteous. He himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And now get a hold of this. I'm gonna put it in context and we're gonna go and sort this out now. How many you recognize there is a chance is a chance. Might be slim, but there is a chance that before Jesus comes back, you will sin again. How many are at least willing to admit it's, it is a chance? I'm saying you're going to, there's a possibility. Now, how's that possible? How's that possible? Because the sin is of the flesh. The only way I can sin is when I heal to the flesh. Now God knows that. So He knowing in our flesh, we wouldn't be able to do this. So He sent Jesus to come and take that sin, pay the price for it ahead of time, and became propitiation, means God is satisfied the sin is paid for. But all I need for you to do is come and confess it. Because the moment you confess it, I'll forgive it. And the Bible says when he forgives, not only does he forgive the sin, he forgives the guilt of that sin and throws it far as the east is from the west into the depths of the sea and remembers it no more. So the moment you confess, he looks at someone in his mind who's never sinned. Why? Because you were in his presence. Not just because you go to the bay. You getting this? It's not just because you come sing songs. Not because you tick the block of the tithe. Not even because you're an usher or singing the worship team. Or, no. Come back. To verse 18, whoever's born of this anointed one, his anointing. Remember, the whole context is this anointing. But he who's been born of God keeps himself, listen to this, and the wicked one does not touch him. You are untouchable. If you stay in his presence. You're getting this? So now you know how dangerous sin is. This is going to protect you. 
Because when I have him in my presence and I'm aware of his presence and I'm aware of holiness, the Holy Spirit. You could have just called him the Spirit of God. No, he's the Holy Spirit. What happens is, see, now I'm not, not sinning just to be a good Christian. I recognize the sin exposes me. It's anti the anointing. So if I'm totally aware, I want this anointing. I need to hear what I need to hear. I need to know my future. I need to be able to remember what I've been taught. If I lay hands on the sick, they must recover. I want to deliver people. If I have to speak to someone, I want the words to bring healing, wholeness, completeness. Then when a sin shows up, uh uh-uh, I refuse. Not because I think I'll upset God if I do it. He's too precious. He's too precious. I want to make sure I abide in his presence. How do you say amen? amen? See verse 19. We know that we're of God. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his Son this anointed one. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Now you understand what the letter's talking about. Hallelujah. Family of God, you have an unction. And God has strategically placed you. I don't care where you are, who you are. You may feel so insignificant. No one ever sees me. No, you're exactly where God wants you to be. See, our idea of fame and fortune is built on the Hollywood style. I don't need my naming lights. Only reason I'm on television is God called me to be there. I wouldn't dare not go there if you know what it takes to be on television. Takes a lot of faith. We have to help keep that faith in place and keep pushing on it. Amen. But that's why we're there. But it's not, we, we understand wherever God calls you to be, no one ever knows your name. But someone walks into your place and you see they're hurting and you speak to them about Christ. There's one who loves you. Not to come and serve religion. He wants to take that burden out of your life. He wants to heal you. He wants to deliver you. You don't have to carry that pain anymore. That feeling of rejection. That struggling, that burden of trying to be someone you were never meant to be. Why are you battling trying to live up a facade? And he'll set you free in a moment. I have an unction. 
That's revival. I said, that's revival. Family, now more than ever, let's be these anointed ones. Amen. We're not just coming to do religion on Sunday. We are living Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you.